welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy, and we're coming back at it with some more cool stuff. In our last episode, which was Dark Water, we announced that we were going to try and do more content, and here we are a week later. <laughs> uh, we're so good at this. This is our first attempt at 30 minutes of <laughs> just fuck that i guess i don't know uh we're still workshopping the name for these short episodes yeah it'll, it'll come to us at some point and i did say that at the beginning of the episode before we actually started talking about stuff i was gonna have katie set a 30 minute timer <laughs> and all right she Hold my phone out right now we will just go through this i still have four notes worth uh of what we're going to talk about four, today, or four pages, four sorry. pages of notes, like four notes worth, what's that? Um, and there's pictures of news clippings that we'll read, so we'll see how long it takes. Hey, I, she has 30 minutes is ready on the phone. Showed me the timer, and what we'll do is if we have not finished this at the end of the 30 minutes, we'll just release it as a two-parter. Uh, so either way, you we will... don't know how to do short things. Yes. <laughs> I tr this is the least uh, specific that I could be. So, without further ado, before Katie starts the timer, uh, today we're going to talk about the history of the Cecil Hotel. We're going to pronounce it Cecil because that's how we think it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's Cecil or Cecil or Cecil. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of different pronunciations from a lot of different people. We're just going with our own. There's also... Um, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to add that. Ugh. When we start the timer. Let me know when you start the timer. <laughs> and a three, and a two, and a go. Okay. All right. So there's also a place called the Hotel Cecil, or Cecil, which is in Ottawa, Canada. And I think sometimes in places they get confused. I bet they so, do. It also has an interesting history because I was reading an article thinking it was the Cecil Hotel, or Cecil Hotel. Uh <laughs> And I guess it used to be a lumber yard that burned down in like 1907 or a factory. And then they built the Hotel Cecil over it. And then that had a major fire many moons later. Uh, so basically don't build where this hotel is. Yeah, there's it's a fire hazard. <laughs> uh, okay. The Cecil Hotel is also kind of named Hotel Death. Yep. Um, I like to call it the Hellmouth of Satan's Anus after reading everything that I've read. <laughs> it is not a pleasant place. No, not at all. It's it's a dark and gloomy time and place and um, not some place that you'd want to hang out alone for sure either. But to be fair, uh, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about fair. happened during horrible times in the United States history. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, all the suicides that happened, a lot of them were doing during Great Depression times, and there was a lot of suicides in general. So, it just so happened that this place has become notorious, and that's why so many people are like, oh, this place is awful. Uh, yep. But more people have survived than have died there, so that says something. <laughs> a little bit of positivity in this. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to take this way back to when it first opened in 1927. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 20s. Not the roaring 20s. Nope. nope. 
This is no. the the end of the twenties. Yep. Uh, this hotel is in Los Angeles, California, at six forty South Main Street. It was opened by some rich white guy named William Banks Hanner. Yep. And he was so rich he had to have the name Banks. So who knows? I couldn't find anything about him uh, specifically. I looked, but not a lot of not a lot of history to him. Yep, he was just like money bags, and they were like hotel. So hotel. It had seven hundred rooms, and it was intended to be like some luxury facility for schmoozing businessmen and their high class mistresses or whomever. And I think that was the right way to use the word whom. I don't know. But it made me feel better for using it. However... It confuses me. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, if the object... English. English is stupid. English is hard. Uh, anyways, the Great Depression hit shortly after this hotel was built. And the street surrounding it, as Katie mentioned in our last episode, became known as Skid Row. Uh, because yep. there was lots of homeless uh but that's just nationally there was lots of homeless yeah. so uh and thus began its spiral into general unpleasantness as far as the world is concerned um in all seriousness there are a lot of people that live there um without like actually dying so i mean again yeah the- sad but some positivity (laughs) yeah like we said i think the only reason that the deaths that occurred here have really become highlighted is because of some of the just the wild stuff that has happened there like the elisa lamb case um stuff like that is when people really started digging in the history and pointing out these specific horrid instances so Let's start talking about the uh, the all the great murders, suicides, serial killers, and unfortunate endings that were happening there. Um, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of it, surprisingly. And I could not find any books about the Cecil Hotel, Cecil, whatever. You're gonna hear it both ways. Just get over it. Uh, the Cecil Hotel specifically um, that were free. <laughs> I looked at my library. They only had some online. Uh, they were not free, so I didn't read those. But we'll talk about it at the end. Uh, also, none of the, uh, what are they called, documentaries besides the Netflix one were free, so I also did not watch those. But we'll talk about those at the end also. But you watched the Netflix one, right? Yes. Okay. From what I've read, people have issues with that, but we'll go yeah, later. So, it all began on a sunny day in 1927. On the 22nd of January, during which 52-year-old Percy Ormond Cook committed suicide by shooting himself. Oh, I was going to say, that's a good day because my grandma and my nephew were born on that day. No, okay, cool. They came in with a bang and he went out with one, so. Yeah, apparently. Uh, Uh, That's sad. Yeah, this is the first documented death. It's also the same year it opened, which is wild. The Los Angeles Times... January 23rd, 1927 issue said of this particular death. Um, the headline is marital strife held cause of suicide attempt. Hmm. It's very awkward. And yeah. I need to zoom because I can't read this, but I don't know how to zoom. So give me. It's just... also old school, like 
It's, it's a newspaper clipping, so it's very old school, so it's very hard to read. Leaving a note. Oh, I was going to say, I can kind of read it. I got it. I zoomed. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. You got this. I'll be more prepared for the next one. <laughs> uh, now so we know. Leaving a note addressed to, quote, the press, in which he said he had spent $40,000 in the last six months in a vain attempt to buy happiness. Percy Ormond Cook, 52 years of age, shot himself last night in a room at the Hotel Cecil. See, the, you, you see it both ways. Sixth uh, mm-hmm. and Main Streets. He was taken to the receiving hospital where doctors said he has only a slight chance to recover. The note stated that Cook, who formerly was a well-to-do real estate dealer of Providence, uh, Rhode Island, had seen, I'm sorry, had been separated from his wife and son for several months and had brooded over his loneliness until he decided that the only way out was to commit suicide. He had written a letter to his wife, the note said, in which he informed her of his intention, but he had been more than a week trying to work up his... This is so oddly written. (laughs) Yeah, man. They made things real complicated in the 20s. Okay. Uh, He worked at the courage to shoot himself, is basically what that said. Said, money cannot buy happiness. Cook wrote in what he expected to be his farewell message. I have tried it and I find that it cannot be done. I have lost my wife, my son, and my home. And I'm doing the only thing left for me to do. I don't know why he couldn't just like... You know what? Never mind. I'm not going to judge people. Okay. He is said to have formerly owned the Willard Apartments in Hollywood and was believed to be wealthy. His son, to whom he referred in his note, is a student at Harvard. Smart guy. And Mm. his estranged wife lives in Providence. All right. Uh, On that same page. So I found this on newspaper.com, which is where I found all the clippings. Um, it'll show you a zoomed in portion of the clipping and then it shows you the whole page that it was on and on this particular page that it's listed on they have listed everyone who filed for a marriage license anyone who filed for divorce those who had a divorce granted and a list of confirmed and suspected deaths like there was no hiding your laundry in the 20s nope everybody knew everything about everybody's business at that time and then and now we're getting back to that point basically <laughs> and then on findagrave.com they have a copy of his death certificate which confirms his details and cause of death uh, for the cause of death they had written gunshot wound to the brain all right and then the, oh, all you you take it the next death that happened uh, was september 18th 1931 so a few years later when a poor hotel ma- uh, maid, that says maid, not male, um, when a poor hotel maid found a body in a room with another bullet in its brain, it was reported as 25-year-old Benjamin Dutch, Dotch, Dotch, something like that. And was, the Los Angeles Times had a tiny clipping, very small, in the in the shipping news and activities in the Los Angeles Harbor section that said he was a sm- oh. Um, uh, he was yeah was, is it this thing yeah oh, oh don't move that Oops, sorry, <laughs> we're good at this okay it is said the body of a man believed to be benjamin did dotich uh 25 was found in the room at the cecil hotel 6640 south main street always has the address saturday night a few hours after he registered there a bullet had had been fired into the right temple 
but Detective Detective Lieutenant Baggett of the Central Homicide Squad said no apparent reason could be assigned for the for the acts. Papers found in his person indicated that he had formerly lived at it gives an address and the body was found by Mrs. Carrie Brown, a maid. Um, it was a very this is a very small clipping and very hard to read. But... And it was in like the shipping news, which was very odd. Yeah. <laughs> there must have been a lot was... of deaths. They just were like overflowing. <laughs> he was in a small column that listed like five or six other like small suicide details. Yeah, there was a bunch of like people who had killed themselves and he was just like in there and they were giving very minimal details uh who it was, why they think they did it, and where they lived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yep. And then only um, two months later in November, James Willies checked into the Cecil Hotel from Chicago. He was found later having ingested poison capsules. His death certificate specified that he had taken opium and verovol. I have no idea what that was. Mm. Uh, whether accidental or suicidal, unable to determine. And then it said addicted to drugs. So I don't know if that was like a question if he was addicted or if they were saying, yeah, he was addicted. It was oddly put on there. His death certificate also said that his actual name was W.K. Norton from India and was 46 at the time of his death. And the L.A. Times had this to say about it. Search for man ends in finding body at hotel. Missing from his home at address. Uh, Since last Saturday, W.K. Norton, 46 years of age, was found dead in a hotel room. And a number of capsules believed to have contained poison were given by police as evidence when Norton had ended his own life. The capsules, police said, were found in his vest pocket. Norton had been dead apparently only a few hours when found by a maid. These poor maids. I know. Um, He registered, oh gosh, I have to move it, at the hotel. According to police, last Saturday is James Willies of Chicago. Several checks made out to Mrs. M.C. Norton found in his clothing served to identify him as Norton, according to the police report. Hmm. Lots of checks. Interesting. Um, and then on this page, oh, I'm sorry. He was found November 17th of 1931. And another story on that page uh, made me giggle, so I just wanted to share it. It said, uh, because Ida Moore, 19 years of age, could not get out of jail yesterday, her nine-month-old daughter, Barbara, went to jail to be with her. Arrested by police, this is the best part, on a morals charge. I have no idea what in the world that was. They were like, you are of low moral character, young lady. To jail with you. Music too loud. Go straight to jail. (laughs) They were like, "Um, you bashed your eyes at one too many men in here. Uh, Anyways, uh, she was arrested on a morals charge, whatever that means, late Tuesday night. The girl, discovering that she could not get out of jail, told matrons that her baby was alone in a hotel room at whatever hotel but not the Cecil Hotel. The baby Mm. is still unweaned she said and so her baby was home alone. They went and picked it up brought it to her so that she could breastfeed it and then that was that. This all makes sense. Morals charge means involving prostitution. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it goes hand in hand on that situation with the baby. That's like a, uh, what is that TV series called with Frankenstein and Penny Dreadful? Penny Dreadful. Penny. Um, yeah, Penny Dreadful. The woman that gets brought back as Lady Frankenstein was a yep. hooker whose baby was left alone. I'm sorry, a sex worker whose baby was left alone. She was really pretty, too. But I yeah, know. exactly. So, the next the next suicide. The next suicide <sighs> occurred on July 26, 1932, so about a year later almost, by S.G.T. Lewis D. Borden, that means... age 53. Sergeant. There you go. Borden, right? Okay. I didn't know if that was supposed to be something or not. Um, his death certificate says he cut his throat with severing of jugular vines and uh, vein and hemorrhage. Um, that's a deep cut to cause by yourself. Can I just say? I think it's not a very popular way to kill oneself. I don't think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Um. LA, LA Times said this, and it's again a little clipping, and this one's darker. Former soldier takes own life. His throat slashed. Louis D. Borden, 53 years of age, former sergeant in the Army Medical Corps, was found dead in a hotel room at 640 South Main Street. I'm going to have this address memorized by the end of this. Um, investigating officers find a razor by the body and a farewell note reported Borden ended his own life because... It, oh, because of ill health. In one brief note, he asked that Miss Edna Hasmore, Hasmer? Very close letters. Uh, of a P.O. box in some place. Sole beneficiary of the little that I have to be notified. That's it. That's all he basically left. And also, if we didn't preface it earlier... Uh, trigger warning, I guess. <laughs> There's lots of suicide. It's a lot of suicide, yeah. Sexual assault, murder. It's Yeah. This that, place is dark. We're, dark history. We're only here to talk about the um, dark shit. So, yeah. 30 Meowniths of Dark Shit. That's today's episode. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> and then, just to mix it up, at, since we just said that on march 18th 1935 what do you think happened that day don't read ahead just guess i'm gonna guess a death maybe a suicide oh let's see a mrs dorothy january great name yep reported to police that she was robbed by a man who appeared in her room damn it <laughs> and in reply to her advertisement seeking a position as a children's supervisor which I'm just, yeah, that... she wanted a nanny and a guy showed up. According to the LA Times snippet, the guy showed up, talked about the job for a minute. They disagreed about like how to feed children uh, or something. And then he choked her. Um, Lovely. Yeah, they didn't really argue about snacks, but I just figured that's what I would argue with someone about. Probably. Uh, uh but she really did get choked because of this interaction. She ended up fighting him off and then reported later that she was missing $40 from her purse. Oh, what a dick. So I don't know if... 40 bucks is a lot of money back in the day. I don't know if they, like, he was legitimately there for that job or if he was just there to steal I stuff. Think, yeah. All right. Well, 
I mean, that's the lighter side of some crime at this place. Um, so, now we're back to the dark stuff. Um, on March 14, 1937, at the Cecil Hotel, they saw the death of its first reporter jump. Reported. Oh, report. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Um, on March March 14th, 1937, the Cecil, Cecil Hotel, however the fuck you want to say it, god damn it, um, they saw the death of its first reported jumper. Um, so he jumped off the roof of the hotel. And there wasn't even an awning or bushes in his direction. Damn. Too bad Prue wasn't there to just sink. Um, anyways. That was the other uh, guy's reference in case you missed that. Yeah. There... There were telephone wires, which she, this is a girl, woman, she hit on the way down, causing her to live long enough to make it to the hospital where the, she then died of her injuries, which would be so much suffering, I can't even imagine. Yeah, a lot of uh, these, I mean, not a lot, quite a few of them died at the hospital, not the actual, I mean, yeah. they were basically probably dead on arrival, but. Right. Yeah. The death, the death certificate says she had a fractured skull and other injuries. An L.A. Times article said... Now, that again, this is really small. The woman takes death plunge. Victim crushed in nine-story drop at downtown hotel. Her body crushed by a nine-story plunge from the window of a hotel at the address, of course. Um, 25 years of age, Grace E. Margot died early yesterday in... Georgia Street receiving hospital. Police were unable to determine whether the woman had fallen or jumped from the hotel room. Telephone wires ripped from the poles at her descent were entangled about her body. I wonder if she got electrocuted with that then. So you should... I'll post a picture if I remember. Uh, telephone wires back then were like all over the... Like it was weird. They were like yeah, crisscross... It was a lot. It, it was, was really in, confusing. Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> it's because of, of all of the, the um, note, uh, operators. Uh, the officer stated that M.W. M. Madison, 26-year-old sailor of the USS Virginia, who was the woman's companion, was sleeping at the time of the occurrence and could not give explanation for the woman's actions. J.B. Reed Jr., manager of the hotel, uh, corroborated her story. I'm wondering why a manager would be able to say, yeah, he was sleeping. Like, was he there when she jumped? Um, did he go to the door and knock and the guy answered and was like, oh, sorry, I was sleeping. Like, I'm yes, yeah, and, and we, well, it's not like we're going to ever know because we don't know how they did shit back in the day to test that. Notoriously, the L.A. Police <laughs> Department has not been the strongest of the police departments no so by any means. she could have just as easily been pushed eh, who knows oops but also this hotel uh you should look at pictures um there's it's not like it's one tall building it's surrounded by like different buildings and parts of it like jut out and so sometimes it'll be like oh they jumped from a nine-story window but they landed on one that was like or the roof of another one that was two stories below or like so they aren't some of them aren't falling as far as they think they are <laughs> so it's not pretty no no 
And then on January 9th, 1938, 35-year-old Roy Thompson also chose to take the leap. His article snip said, leaving no notes to explain his action, Roy Thompson, 35-year-old Marine fireman, took what police termed a suicide leap from the 14th story. It goes on to say that he had been checked at the hotel for several weeks before jumping from his own window and landing on the skylight of the building next door, where he was later found by an employee of the Cecil Hotel. Can you imagine seeing just a dead body on a skylight above you? Yeah. That's horrifying. I'm confused why a he was found later. Like, I'm wondering if this was... A sky- the skylight was in a room or a building that just wasn't occupied at the time. <laughs> um, I don't know. Because that would make quite the thump. Yeah, man. That skylight must have been hefty. But hopefully it was unoccupied and people just didn't have to see it. But what I, mean, do- I guess they said it. Fa- they, a, an employee found him later, so nobody was around to hear him thud i wonder if they had to start telling employees like every time you clean a room uh just go ahead and look out the window <laughs> just go ahead and look down check. if just... the window's open look down make sure there's not yeah. a dead body of some sort in just... the trajectory of that area <laughs> yeah just make sure oh if, we're not if... trying to laugh at these deaths but goddamn. if you feel a breeze just take a look uh what do you think happened? May 29th, 1939. Um, okay, so we've had robbery and multiple suicides. So let's go with a... Uh, um, uh, I don't know. It's another good thing we could go for. Somebody... She's There's trying... a big fight. There's a big fight. I don't know. It's funny because... <laughs> I a big fight with knives. I can see you looking everywhere but at the screen because you're trying not to cheat <laughs> and look ahead. I have like Dungeons and Dragons, like uh, like dragons up here, like figures and things. And I'm like, what could it be? I don't know. She's like, a dragon swooped down and picked somebody I, up. I almost said it. I almost said it. Let's be honest here. Uh, I found my cow. Sorry. On May 28th. 1930 or 29th whatever day you want to say uh you were really close but not at all um the headline of that article says girl afflicted with sneezing turns to psychiatrist for help (laughs) does this mean i need to go to psychiatrist for help with my sneezing and my allergies no listen this is wild okay so it says, I'm going to summarize this. I'm not going to read it verbatim. But it says, when anyone mentions the word sneeze to 20-year-old Patricia Langdon, she is helpless to resist a resounding, this is what it says, quote, ah, ah, choo. The girl said today in commenting that I just had to leave Lincoln, Nebraska because everyone teased me. So every time someone walks up to her or is near her and says sneeze, she sneezes. And a psychiatrist in L.A., uh, I'm, it's raining. I don't know if you can hear that. It just like started very little dumping rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, a psychiatrist in LA said similar cases were known and that it is quote, quite possible that the idea is father to the deed. So Ms. Langdon said she had taken up her residence in nearby Alameda because her physician had advised her to stay away from persons acquainted with her strange fixation who insisted on uttering the kerchu word in her presence. <laughs> you know what's really funny? When I was in science class in middle school, I discovered that if you say the word sneeze, it actually stops you from sneezing when you need to sneeze. 
And then my teacher got really mad at me for saying that out loud. <laughs> it was quite the opposite for this young lady. And the oh, only no. thing her doctor could tell, like the only cure he had was uh, move away from everyone you know and don't let people know <laughs> or else they'll oh, use it against you. <laughs> so, oh, that poor girl. Okay. Yeah, that was in there. There's your, uh, I don't know. There's your humor break for yourself. Yep, your icebreaker. <laughs> humor break, whatever you said. Uh, but yeah, that was a little humor to break up the suicide, which occurred the day before the sneezing girl story, when Erwin oh. C. Neblet swallowed poison and died in the hospital at age 34. His newspaper clip... What did I say? No, I was just... That was just Neblet. It's quite the last oh. name. I like... Actually, I think we should pronounce it Neblet. It sounds... Neblet. 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 Hmm. Indubitably. Indubitably. Mr. <laughs> Neblet. That's probably... Hmm. Hmm, twisting the mustache. Exactly. His newspaper clip said he was alive when he was found by a maid, but died shortly after the police arrived. Again, super traumatizing for these poor maids that are either finding dead bodies or finding almost dead bodies that are like, help me, and then die. And you're yeah. like, oh, God. Too bad, CPR. <laughs> I wonder if, like, current maids of these hotels have to know CPR because of, like, well, that knows? is a question to ask. I don't know. Who knows? Well, then in January 1940, Dorothy Seeger died in her room. The newspaper newspaper clip said she was a school teacher who took poison and was hospitalized near death. But we didn't find anything else saying that she actually died that day. Um, not saying that it didn't happen, but it, there just wasn't any proof. She's, it, she's listed as a suicide everywhere you look, but the paper doesn't report that she died it just says she was so she might have had her stomach pumped who knows yeah, she maybe she lived hmm. for the sake of this podcast yes she lived she Indubitably. she Sorry. um let's see what year was that the 40s yeah 1940 she found herself a nice military man who paid for her happiness yep. with his benefits yep Exactly. And September 7th, 1944, was perhaps one of two of the more upsetting publicized murders at the Cecil Hotel. Hmm. Sometime in the evening, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell. So, like, maybe don't be named Dorothy and stay at the Cecil Hotel. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> uh, she woke up with abdominal pains left the bed that she was sharing with her 38-year-old... Oh, God, I just deleted everything. Whoops. Uh-oh. I fixed it. Okay. Woke... Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so she woke up. She was having tummy pains. She was like, my belly, because I'm 19. Um, and her 38-year-old boyfriend was sleeping next to her. Oh. She goes uh. to the bathroom, and turns out she was giving birth to a baby that she claims neither her or her boyfriend knew about. She thought that it was stillborn and tossed it out their 12th story window. Jesus. Uh, when the baby was found, I don't know how they figured out it was from her window, but they did. <laughs> and she was arrested and deemed not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm. The coroner testified that the baby boy had indeed been alive because it had air in its lungs, uh, which is like proof that it was breathing. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, um, I find People it... People don't throw babies out windows. 
I find it weird that she was potentially perfectly mentally great until she all of a sudden had a baby and then spontaneously was insane. Um, but she did end up going. Can you hear that? No. Oh, well, the timer's oh. going off for 30 minutes. Already? Oh, my good yeah. lord. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, we'll finish up this story, and then there will definitely be two or three parts to this, I guess. Okay. Uh, but anyways, the doctor, she did end up going to the hospital because I think she had, like, a sepsis or something um, from giving birth. Yeah. And thus concludes 30 minutes of horror or or terrifulness so we talked a lot about expedited checkouts that occurred at the cecil or cecil hotel and while we may laugh about how they wrote in the newspapers and back then and uh, women who sneeze every time they hear the word sneeze And if that's you and you're listening to me say sneeze over and over again, I'm so sorry, Uh, but don't sneeze if you can help not sneezing. So uh, they obviously back then did not have the same resources that we do now for people who are contemplating suicide. So if that is you at any time, please consider calling the suicide hotline. The number is 800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Help is available. You can speak with someone anytime. If you happen to not have your pen or pencil ready or you're not able to write that number down, we will post it in our show description and it will be available to you anytime. Save it in your phone so that if you know somebody who may need that number, you can have it ready at any time. And... Uh, yeah. That's all I have on that. And I guess join us for our next 30 minutes on the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, these will come out pretty quickly back to back. And the next movie that we are doing is Haunting in Connecticut, right? Two? The Ooh. second one? Part two? Uh, it will I be. Like how we both went fucking French on that. <laughs> it will. I think we're gonna throw it out the last week of this month, Memorial Weekend. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh. Yeah. We'll see you for the next thirty minutes. Timing, because the dog just barely started barking. Mm-hmm.